going to head back to Colossians next week. But this week, uh, we, I want us to take a look at uh, Matthew's Gospel, uh, the 25th chapter, which is getting close to Jesus' departure and his death and crucifixion. Uh, to, uh, chapter 25 of Matthew is like the three pinnacle parables of, uh, of, of Jesus Christ. And we're just going to look at one of those. So they're parables to help prepare us how to live so that we are ready when Jesus comes back. Jesus says, listen, I'm headed out. I'm going, going on a journey. You're going to be on your own for a bit. But in the midst of that, there's a certain way I want you to live. And so we want to take a look at that today. Often at this time of year, we'd have what's called kind of stewardship season, we really haven't had a chance to do that this fall because of other things going on. So this is kind of a, a stewardship moment to encourage us to think about uh, what it means to be a steward. And if you haven't heard the word steward before, I'll try to explain it. This parable is kind of the perfect example of who we are to be as stewards of the King of Kings. We pick up in the 14th verse of chapter 25 of Matthew. And here's the story Jesus told his disciples. Again, it will be like a man who's going on a journey. And so he calls his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to a third, one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put the money to work, and he gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, and he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So after a long time, the master of those servants returned. He settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained you five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out. I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers 
so that when I returned, I could have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who had his ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken away from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me and for me? Come, Lord Jesus, uh, this is your story. Uh, so help me to uh, help us wrestle with it a bit today and, uh, and see how we can uh, walk the path of good and faithfulness. And so uh, come, Holy Spirit, and uh, just meet us in this moment and work in and through us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, to me, this is an interesting parable. You know, this is like a parable for uh, the Wall Street gurus. You know, somebody like uh, uh, Warren Buffett and, and his buddy Charles. I can't remember Charles's last name. But, you know, I mean, basically, it's a story about people like Warren Buffett, who are great at taking five bags of gold or five bags of money or, you know, a trillion, you know, a couple of billion dollars and turning it into a trillion dollars. You know, that's the story that Jesus told. Uh, and it's an interesting story. And, and as we just kind of look at it today, I, I want us to find a few things in here that, that I think are lessons for life that Jesus was trying to help us realize is true of all of us. You see, Jesus was saying, hey, I'm the one, I'm leaving, I'm going away on a journey. You're going to be here in this world on your own for a while, but don't worry, I am coming back, and when I come back, uh, I'm going to make everything right, and I'm going to sit down with each one of you, and he's going to sit down with me, and he's going to review our life, and how he's kind of going to do an accounting on us. And that should make us all go, whoa, uh, am I ready for that, right? But that's what he's saying. And the second thing he's pointing out to us is he's saying, listen, guys, um, with, this, uh, with this, notice the first thing is, is how much did the servants have possession-wise on their own before the master gave him their resources, the servants had nothing. They came into the world with absolutely, positively nothing. Everything they received, the five bags of gold, the two bags of gold, the one bag of gold, all of that stuff they have received on loan from the master. And he has entrusted his wealth, his resources, his blessing uh, literally in the Greek, and those that know this story, kind of the old translations, it's not bags of gold. What is it? It's talents. The Greek word is where we get our word for talents. But it's the same idea, this idea that as human beings, we really own zilch, nothing, nada, you know, you come into this world with nothing but the, the little baby body you're given. You leave this world with nothing. You can't take anything with you. Everything in between you have on loan from the one who made you. 
And that's kind of the first lesson. And I think so much we make about my car, my house, my stuff, my job, my this, my that, my family. We make all this stuff about my, but it's not about my, it's all God's. And, and we would live, I think, much healthier lives just to make that fundamental shift in our thinking that, uh, that ultimately all that we have our talents, our abilities, our wealth, our stuff, our possessions, all that is a gift of God, and it's really all God's stuff. And God, what does it mean to be a steward? It means realizing everything is God's stuff. God has given me some stuff, and I'm to be faithful with it on this planet as best I can because I've got to give it back to him someday, and I want to give it back to him and hear the words, good and faithful servant, right? And so that's that's the first principle there is is for us to live life realizing everything we have is a gift from the one who made us the second uh, principle here that that i want us to see is that the other thing we like to do is is we like to turn our attention toward others who have better talents or more talents than we do more bags of gold more whatever you know, as a pastor, I'm looking at the megachurch pastors, you know, Andy Stanley and Louis Giglio. Somebody talked about Louis Giglio in Sunday school this morning. I look at this, why, do I, you know, why can't I be the kind of pastor that they are? You know, we, we tend to do that. And the second principle I think Jesus is showing here is he says, yes, it's true. Some people get five bags because they can handle five bags. Others get two because they can handle two. Some of us get one because we can handle one. And the deal is don't focus on other people's stuff and other people's talents and other people. Focus on what you got and do something good with it, Right? Focus on the, the five bags you have, the three bags you have, the two or the one bag, and make the most of it. Don't be looking at everybody else's talents and everybody else's bags. It's not about them anyway. It's about you being you for God's glory and giving you to God in a way that, that makes the most of your life. And, and the first two fellas do that quite well. It's the last one who gets on the wrong track. And so let's look at that fellow who, the, the, the fellow who got the one bag. What did he do wrong? What are the lessons we learned from this one guy who, who kind of was going down the wrong path? Well, I think there are at least three things we can learn from this guy. The first is, is that we were never meant to bury our talent. We were never meant to bury our talent or our bag of gold. And that was his first mistake. As human beings, we're to own it, we're to celebrate it, and we're to, to use it for God's glory. We're to take risks with it. Do you catch that? Jesus is telling us all of a story about taking financial risk for God's glory. You know, in order to turn five bags of gold into ten bags of gold, you've got to put that money to work. You've got to invest it. You've got to do something with it so that it produces something new. And in this, we, we also see a principle that as human beings, we're not to be consumers. We're to be producers. And there's a huge, huge difference. You know, in our modern economy, we're taught, well, we're consumers of this and consumers of that. 
But Jesus reminds us that our heart, we're to be producers who take our talents and turn them into as much as we can and to take risks. I think God would have been happier with this fella if he hadn't buried his talent. He might have taken a bad risk. You know, he, he did the best he could with it. He may have lost it all. And I think the master would have been happier with him not giving him nothing and saying, you know, I tried, but I kind of blew it instead of burying it in the dirt. And so that's the first principle. You and I were not meant to bury our talents. We've got to take stock of them. We've got to celebrate them. We've got to figure out how do I put the gifts God has given me, the stuff God has given me, how do we, how do we put that to work so that it can grow, so that it can thrive, so that it can make a kingdom difference? The second thing we learn from, from the fellow that buried his talent is this. The second is we were never meant as well to believe that the one who made us is a gangster and a harsh godfather. We were never meant to believe that our God is a gangster and a harsh godfather. Now, that seems kind of strange, I guess, to, to pull that point out, but that's the point that's made here, right? So many times we live life based on how we view God or how we view Jesus, and if you view God and Jesus as, as someone who is out to get you, someone who is out to make you pay, someone who if you give your heart or your life and if you trust God at all, he's going to find a way to spoil your life, to ruin your life, to bury your life, just to make it miserable. That's what this guy believed. We were never meant to believe that God is like, like Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Hey, I can't even do a good Italian godfather. You know? What are you going to, you know, I'll help you out, but what are you going to give me? One day I'm going to be calling on you and you've got to repay me. You're going to be ready to pay me back. Yes, godfather, yes. You know, that's the picture that's here. That's the picture that Jesus gives. And we were not meant to have a picture of God as a harsh godfather. That's the wrong picture. The first two guys don't have that picture at all. They see uh, their master as, as just a good guy who has given them a tremendous opportunity to take his talents that he's given them and, and do something great with them. And so if you believe God is a harsh godfather, um, I, I wouldn't believe in that kind of God either. I wouldn't. Because that's not who Jesus is. That's not who the Father is. Then the third thing he says uh, that we learn from him is, that, lastly, that we were never meant to live a worthless life. We were never meant to live a worthless life. Um, and this is the sad one. You know, when you turn on your evening news, like the fellow up in Maine, you know, he gave in to a worthless life. And, and maybe it's because of mental illness. Maybe it's things beyond his control. I don't know. The Lord knows the Lord will, will uh, deal with him in his uh, grace and uh, justice. But we were never meant to live a worthless life. And so uh, Jesus warns us 
what a worthless life ends up as, right? He gives us this verse that, that really is uh, scary at best. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, y'all, that's the line Jesus gives that we often think about. He's talking about hell. And, and yeah, that's true. Hell as separation from the God who made us, separation from the living God. If we're out in the darkness, we are no longer in the presence of the one who made us and loved us and created us. And so if we've lived a worthless life, we're in a dark place. And in that dark place, there are tears and there is immense anger and hatred. And that's just not true of eternity. There are some of us in this world who take that path today, right? And they're the ones that end up in jail or on the news or whatever because they have chosen the path of darkness today. They've chosen a path that has led to immense tears in their life at wrong choices today. It's led to anger and hatred and gnashing of teeth in terms of their attitude toward their neighbors, toward their family, toward other people today. And that's what, we were not meant to live that kind of life. You know, I think Jesus' point is he hopes nobody will live a worthless life, that we'll all learn that there's a better way, and that the way of Christ, the way of love, the way of Jesus and God's glory is the better way. And so from that, well, let me, I do want to quote one more thing about the worthless life that comes to us from one of our ancient church fathers, John Chrysostom, who was a bishop, I think of, I want to say Constantinople, no, well, anyway, he was one of the ancient bishops, lived 1,500 years ago or longer. This is what he says about this text, the unprofitable servant is to be cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I want you, he says, do you want, I want you to see this. I want you to see sins of omission are also met with extreme rejection. It's not only the covetous person or the active doer of evil things or the adulterer, but it's also the one who fails to do good. It's the person who fails to do good in life it is also the worthless servant. He says, let us listen carefully then to these words as we have opportunity. Let us work to cooperate with our salvation. Let us get oil for our lamps. That's the parable before this. Let us labor to add to our talent. For if we are backward and spend our time in sloth and unprofitability, you know, not being useful here, no one will pity us anymore hereafter. Though we should wail 10,000 times, remember the virgins who knocked on Jesus' door and came to him all in vain and without effect. So John Chrysostom reminds us it's not just about avoiding bad. Our life is about doing good for God's glory, seeking to cooperate with God's salvation in our hearts and lives and being ready to face our Lord when the day requires. And so 
that's kind of the bad news, right? You know, we don't want to be that servant. We don't, we don't want to bury our talent. We don't want to believe that God is a harsh Godfather. We don't want to live a worthless life. Instead, what can we do differently? Well, we can follow the example of the guys who get it right. And so what is this example? Well, first of all, just again to realize we are meant to invest our life, invest our talents, take risks, get out of the boat, do something a little hard this week, something you've never done before, and try to see what God will do. Try to make a difference and make an impact. And you can do this in many ways. This story, it talks about it being all about money, and it's not really just about money. It's about gifts, talents, abilities, uh, passions. It's about all of who we are and giving all of who we are to God in a way that God can use it for his glory, right? And so one way we often talk about it is, uh, is about the money piece. And so I do want to spend just a minute or two on that piece of using our talents for God's glory. Uh, basically, in the Christian faith, we are called to be sacrificially generous people. That's what we're trying to become. We're trying to do good every way we can. We're trying to take the stuff God has given us and, and multiply it in so much of a way that we can then multiply its good effect in our church, in our community, in our world by investing in things that make our community and world a better place. We're called to be radically generous people. And that's often not easy for us, is it? I mean, especially I know where we are right now. We're in an inflationary environment. I just saw in the news yesterday, I think the average household is spending more than they're bringing in, right? We're being more of consumers than producers. And so I, I don't have all the answers to that. Um, but we do have to find ways to be producers, to be investors, to grow what God has given us. And a couple, I'll give you a couple of ideas of how something like that might look. Uh, one of the big things that will help you with this, if you want to grow to be more generous, is first of all, find a way uh, to cut out your debt. Find a way to cut out your debt. In the Bible, when the Bible talks about debt, especially high interest debt, it says it's just a form of slavery, right? And none of us say, we, we don't want to be slaves. Right? But when it comes to debt, debt can turn us into slaves, especially the credit card debt, the high interest debt that's hard to pay off. And so one challenge in, in our day and age is to find ways. If you can work, uh, there are ministries out there that will help sit down and help you with this, but if you can find ways to handle your money better, to be more faithful and to pay down that debt, that in itself, will help you become a more generous person. Because then the money you're giving the credit card company, you're not having to give it to them anymore. So you can give it to make a difference in your community or in, in uh, your church or in the world. And so that's, that's one of the keys. I, I think a second way for us, I know that we've got a lot of folks living on fixed incomes, and I pray for you guys because I know it's not easy, again, with the inflation and things going up and, and, and all that. But I think with a fixed income, even in our retirement, what are you good at? What do you like? What do you enjoy? Is there anything that you can do um, 
to make a little extra money. Give you an example. In my last church, I had a young college student at our church who was going to Georgia Tech. Woohoo! Right? Go Jackets. Yeah, they actually won the Tech's winning the games I expect them to lose, and they're losing the games I think we should win. But hey, we'll take a win. A win is a win is a win. But anyway, this young man at my last church, he was going to Georgia Tech, and, uh, and you know what he did? He baked cakes as a side business. And so he had about five or six different cakes, and word got out that he made a pretty darn good cake, you know, German chocolate, chocolate, vanilla, you know, maybe a strawberry or something like that. He made four or five cakes, and he sold those cakes for like $20, $25 each, you know, something like that. And he had a, this side gig of making extra money, right? And it didn't take a whole lot of time. He still had to study. He still had to go to class. But just that little side gig gave him some extra resources. What if we could come up with just a little side gig to make a little extra money that might, we could, might give that little extra to, to bless our community or God's kingdom in some way, shape, or form? So those are some of the ideas that I just threw out today. You know, I know in order to pay off debt, you kind of got to change some financial things sometimes. I know like us, when we go out to eat at a restaurant, we only drink water. You know, we drink water. We save that 2 or $3. Uh, I'd rather spend it on dessert anyway. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, so, you know, we do stuff like that. You know, if you're the kind of person you go to work and you eat out every day, start taking a lunch four or five days a week. That's going to save you like 80 bucks or more, right? I mean, there's all sorts of things. If you'll just cut back a little bit, be a little smarter, uh, you know, with cable rates or with finding a new cell phone company that's maybe a little more value, you know, more value for your money. There are ways that we can shrink our budget in many ways that will help free up our ability to be more generous, okay? And so that's just, that's the component of how do we multiply our bags of gold and uh, because that's what we're meant to be about, finding ways to turn that money into a great investment that'll grow and impact the world for good. So that's number one. There are about two others. Let me see. Um, the other things that the guys got right is that uh, we're to trust that God has a good future for those who are faithful. We're to trust that God has a good future for, for those that are faithful. God blesses faithfulness. God blesses faithfulness, right? Jesus shows up. The guy with five brings back ten. The guy with two brings back four. How does the master reply? The master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with what? With a few things. So guess what? Because you've been faithful with this little bit, I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to be in charge of. And that's the way God works. If we're faithful with this little bit we're given today, God finds ways to give us more tomorrow. But if we're unfaithful with the little bit, then we're not going to be able to be faithful with a lot more. And so that's, the, that's kind of the second principle, is God loves to bless faithfulness. And then the third is, we were meant to be good and faithful servants. We were created to be good and faithful servants. 
We were created to, to bring the kingdom. We were created to do good. We were created to make this world a better place. We were created to love one another. We were created to forgive one another. We were created to, to, to be able to relate to each other beyond racial boundaries and ethnic boundaries and any other, even political boundaries. We were, to, we're supposed to be the kind of people that just are hopeful and joyful and enjoy getting to know other people. And even if they're people that think differently than we do, we just, we're going to love on them because they're a child of God like we're a child of God. And when you live that kind of life, um, you can look forward to well done, good, and faithful servant. And, uh, and that's the path I keep trying to stay on. Sometimes I... I get distracted, and some may you may too, but it's possible. It's possible for us to hear those words. I close with this story, and then we'll, we'll go eat some lunch. Does that sound good? Um, I, to give you an example, uh, recently uh, in one of our Bible studies, we've looked at the story of a young lady who has, has an amazing story of, of doing this kind of thing, right? Her name is Julia Emonen. Julia Amonin. And uh, in her teens and 20s, she'd kind of, she was wandering around trying to figure out her life, uh, what life was about, and, and all those kind of things. And her sister was getting married and, and doing a marriage course at her church and invited her and said, hey, why don't you come to church with me? I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think you would too. And so in her mid-20s, I think she gets reconnected with the church and begins reconnecting with her faith in Jesus. And so Julia begins getting excited about using her talents for God's glory. But she like had no clue what it would be about until one day she was at a, a, you know, at a seminar or church worship service or something, and they got up and they were talking about the terrible evil and tragedy of human trafficking. And, and the purchasing of girls and, and sometimes boys probably too and, and sending them places to do things uh, that, that are just tragic. And this, uh, the, the whole thing just like blew her mind. She's like, what is this? Surely there's not modern day slavery. Surely this doesn't happen. But as she wrestled with it, she said, God, what can I do to make a difference here? Is there something I can be about? And, and so as she thought about that, she was a college rower. She loves to row. And so guess what she did? She got her rowing ladies together, five or six of them, and they committed to rowing across the Atlantic Ocean. So they wanted to redo re the slave route from Europe to America. And so five or six of them got in a little boat and they started rowing and rowing and rowing. 3,000 miles she did this to raise money and awareness for human trafficking. They would have to row 12 hours a day every day. Two hours on, two hours off. She said sometimes the waves that they experienced were 50 feet high, high as a house. They'd be going up and down, up and down, seasick. She's like, man, if I had known it would be this bad, I wouldn't have signed up for it. But uh, she talks about uh, losing a third of their food. She talks about the mental battle. She talks about the challenge of it. She said, like, you know, I wouldn't have done this except I had a reason to do it. 
And so they crossed the Atlantic 3,000 miles. And she said one of her inspirations for this was William Wilberforce in England who fought the slave trade in the 18th century. And William Wilberforce fought it in Parliament in England for 45 years. And three days before he died, three days before he died, Parliament finally passed the abolition of the slave trade in Europe or in England. And so her, her quote here that I think just speaks well of this, she's like, you know, we're here to do good, so let's all do our somethings. We can't do everything, but we can all do our somethings, and collectively our somethings make a difference. And I think that's what Jesus is telling us to do. What something can you do to make this world a better place? How can you use your talent, your money, your resources, your gifts in a way that grows the kingdom wealth in our world of love and uh, in following Jesus Christ? Um, this is what God calls us to. And if Julia can make a difference as a young Christian, I don't see why we can't either. And so I hope you'll find a way uh, to be a good steward. And I hope that we each hear those words one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this morning. We thank you for this day. Come Holy Spirit and uh, just encourage our hearts where we need it today. Lord, where there is brokenness, um, where we feel like we're that one who's been bearing our talent and aren't doing very well, we've failed in so many ways. Lord, today is a day to start anew. And you're ready to meet us right here. You're ready to bring into our heart and mind ideas that we could use um, to make an impact in some small way or big way. And Lord, whether it's financially or whether our talents or whether our time or whether our gifts, uh, Lord, uh, we want to be your hands and feet to lift up Jesus and the love of Christ in this community and the hope of Christ around the world. And so let your Holy Spirit encourage us today that, uh, that we can be on the right path and we can look forward to hearing you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've taken your talents and you've tried to multiply them for my glory. Come and enjoy the joy of the Lord Jesus and his future in the kingdom together. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.